Coming up in this episode, 10 random nuts <laughs> selected as per usual from the bottom of society's barrel, also known as the YouTube comments feed. 10 random nuts is of course quite a bad day at the local vasectomy clinic, is it not? An even worse proposition perhaps for Australian democracy more broadly. After all, these individuals walk among us. I am John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au. New cars cheap again. Website. Card. Maybe. This video is sponsored by Bluetti, the literal luminaries of power failure perseverance, the portable battery powerhouses. More on that later. But now, an heartfelt contribution I all from you. So you are way smarter than any engineers at Nissan, Toyota and Honda. Congratulations. So many fools out there buying hybrids. How can they be so stupid? However, I am looking forward to take delivery of my new Honda HRV hybrid, replacing my CRV diesel in October. Go ahead, buy EVs and let See who is smiling after 10 years of daily use. Dude named Ford Galaxy there. Probably not a real name, but one never knows. Hashtag Australia. I don't think I ever claimed to be smarter than the engineers at any car company, Mr. Galaxy. That is a complete mischaracterization. I just don't agree with some of the decisions car makers make and some of the things they say about those decisions, which are generally bullshit. And as I see it, the function of journalism is to highlight the shit behaviour of powerful entities, entities which would otherwise use their power, their resources, their money to bullshit you in the public into submission. And in my view, Nissan's engineers have done a truly spectacular job making an electric driveline on that Qashqai e-power, which Mr Galaxy is corresponding with me about, a driveline which is less efficient than a conventional mechanical powertrain. That's the spectacular achievement in this case, as I see it. They've built a frigging petrol-powered EV, which, call me old-fashioned, is... The definition of pointless, is it not? And they paid huge bucks to fly a bunch of car reviewers from this market and that market all the way to Sweden just so they could gloss over these obvious shortcomings and talk the whole thing up. This is what conscripting the media looks like. And I'd suggest that this style of snout-in-trough journalism has run its course because I really don't think you in the public are sufficiently dumb not to see what's really going on here. In any case, I see this kind of thing as being emphatically in the wheelhouse of real automotive journalism. Okay? And I guess we can just watch the view count and the average view duration of various videos and we'll make an assessment based on the numbers to see if I'm right. Pro tip, the average view duration of my video report on the Qashqai e-power 14 minutes, 
41 seconds. That is longer than the total length of the review videos from those whose snouts went in Nissan's trough in Sweden generally, I know. So there's that. But I am actually quite a fan of hybrids. But to be really effective, they have to plug in, like to be really worthwhile. And the user of those hybrids actually has to plug them in to derive maximum benefit from those vehicles. And that's a bit of a problem when they're company cars and the users don't give a crap about them, basically. So I've driven the Eclipse Cross, the BMW X3, the MG HS Plus EV and the Hyundai Ioniq, all the plug-in hybrid variants of those vehicles where there's a choice. And they're all real-world winners for Australia right now because the infrastructure is not there yet, particularly for reliable long-distance travel, okay? I am certainly not anti-hybrid, but the new Nissan, the e-Power Qashqai, it's just an efficiency fail. That's really not up for grabs, and it's going to be too expensive. And incidentally, quite a few commenters on that report, they told me that locomotives and bulldozers and mining trucks are all diesel electric. And if it's good enough for those kinds of really, really expensive machines, why not do that with a petrol electric car? Same philosophy, just downsized. And I get that question, I really do. I actually trained as a mechanical engineer in the railways about a billion years ago when the dinosaurs were still you know, around. And I worked for a few months in the factory where they pulled the locomotives apart and rebuilt them. And that was so interesting, right? But this question, it misses the point, the why, of why it's locomotives and these big machines that are actually internal combustion, but with an electric drivetrain. Why do we build these big machines this way? And if you don't know how a locomotive works, that's fair enough, <laughs> like that's allowed. Typically what you do is you get a big fat engine like 2,000-ish horsepower, V16 diesel sort of thing. It can be two-stroke or four-stroke, usually with forced induction. The two-stroke GM V16 diesels that I saw pulled apart, they were roots blown, okay? And what you do is you get that engine, 600 RPM sort of thing for maximum power, and you jam a reasonably large electric generator right up its ass. And then you put electric traction motors on the axles. They're the ones that actually deliver the drive. And there's about six axles on, not about, <laughs> there's exactly six axles on a typical locomotive, right? And those motors are about 350 horsepower a piece for a total of 2,000. And all you do is you run cables between the generator and the motor, and you've got a control system from the cabin that gets the driver involved with the whole process. Always nice. And there's your basic driveline, okay? It's a very simple power transmission concept, but I would not get in the way of any of that electricity, okay? That would be bad. As an alternative, Thought experiment time. Can you imagine building a friggin' mechanical transmission to do that job as an alternative? It would not only be horrendously complex, but it would also be expensive. It would carry an immense servicing burden. It would have a ton of bespoke parts and be less reliable, etc. Aside from that, great idea. So diesel electric and transmissions of this nature they're done when you have to convey a shit ton of power reliably and cost effectively 
often to multiple outputs, like multiple axles in the case of a locomotive, in situations where mechanical transmissions would just be grossly impractical. This is not done for fuel efficiency. The only reason to make a hybrid car is fuel efficiency. That's why the cash cow e-power is a joke. Why is every second word a swear word? Can't you get your message across without all the adjectives? I don't hear you use them when you are on TV. Peter Doyle there, and he makes a valid point, I suppose. And I did spend years on network TV and Sydney radio, but then I got clean, dude, and I have no wish to go back to that dirty past I tried to bury. I haven't bothered with TV in particular for years, although occasionally they ring me up on the radio and I do the odd interview. So I'd suggest that broadcast in Australia has a particular code of conduct which takes a very dim view indeed on participants dropping the F-bomb, especially in family time slots. So if you drop the F-bomb on Sunrise, on live TV, it goes straight to air, right? And you generally don't get invited back. On live radio, that's a bit different because you're in delay and the host has, therefore, seven seconds or something to dump anything which is potentially offensive. And I dumped plenty of offensive callers when I was a host on Radio 2 UE for a few years. On YouTube, there's also a code of conduct and they're called community guidelines in the case of YouTube. And I work within those guidelines and I refrain from committing defamation and I try to be accurate and I'm also running at the same time a kind of mad experiment where I talk to you just like ordinary people talk down the fucking pub mate right because in my view TV and radio are emphatically fake modes of communication and I've been live on radio for thousands of hours and I've done hundreds of live crosses on TV and not swearing on those mediums is just the tip of the fake fucking iceberg, dude. It's so fake, like it's like the babushka doll set of fakeness. Every time you scratch a layer of fakeness, there's another layer of fucking fakeness to get through. Everybody I know swears conversationally. Not to shock, right? Because it's part of the vernacular if you're being authentically Australian. It's just how it is, dude. Watch a news bulletin on TV, okay? It's totally fake. You never get any clear picture of what the host or any of the journalists actually think or any of the fucking guests. It's like a bunch of empty suits just full of farts stroking their vegetables over a friggin' teleprompter. And yet people watch. Not so many anymore, obviously, but still there's an audience for that crap. And I never try to exceed 25% profanity. Generally, a lot fucking less than that, dude. A lot fucking less. Unless you pay in this wanker like Kia and Hyundai, her will bag the shit out of the rest. He's driven by money. Quentin McCarthy there. Quentin. Quenty. Quento. You really should not defame someone like that, dude. See... That is a false allegation that damages my reputation for which you can furnish absolutely no proof. Her might get angry and after all, 
hiss driven by money, bad combination, if I sick my friggin' lawyer onto you, we'd probably get 20 grand out of you without too much of a fight, dude. Her would enjoy all the hot tub time which that would buy. You're alleging that her is being paid by Kia and Hyundai when in fact hiss not. And that's... That's not funny. And that's certainly defamatory, dude. And it is untrue. So you don't actually have a viable defence. Got to be really careful about what you say publicly, mate. If you think Kia and Hyundai are paying her, have a look at what Hiss said about the latest wheels bullshit car of the year and also Hyundai's unprincipled decision to gouge existing orders with a price rise just because some genius in senior management decided that that was okay. If they were paying her, and they're not, but if they were, they'd be strenuously demanding their money back over those two videos, I tell you what. The wonderfully liberating thing about not being paid by any car maker is that his free to say whatever the fuck her once. Of course, you all know this will be followed by the Chinese car invasion. This is too easy for the Chinese manufacturers, lol. Let everyone else price themselves out of the market. Andy Freeze there. Andy Freeze. Nice name, dude. I've laid awake every night since Mr. Freeze made his comment trying to understand, of course, O-A-R. SE, of course. Dude, is there some cryptic meaning which I'm failing to grasp? Some allusion to a 40 grit enema? Or is it just more evidence that people continue to fall tragically through the cracks of our crumbling education system? And while, you know, spell checker does its best. Anyway, Mr. Freeze. Stupid argument, mate, and I've seen this argument my entire life. When I was a kid, we called the first Corollas, quote, Jap crap. They were Japanese and they were crap, so it sort of made sense and society was a lot less woke back then. Nobody ever got accused of being a racist when I was a kid. Anyway, the invasion of Japanese cars actually took place mainly in the 1970s. And guess what, dude? It made the automotive market better, stronger, faster, more reliable, etc. More choice, better for fucking consumers, dude. And then Japanese cars went kind of mainstream, didn't they? And along came those upstarts from South Korea. <laughs> Invading, running the same mad experiment in the 90s mainly, only getting to the point of mainstreamedness somewhat faster than the Japanese. And guess what? It made the automotive market better in exactly the same way because the Japanese at this point were getting pretty complacent. Chinese manufacturers, well, they're just doing the same thing again, faster, right? And if that's an invasion, okay. Will it make the market better for you? Uh, yeah, it will. The car business is global. Like, the Ford Ranger is delayed because lockdowns in China prevented the supply of, I think it was, 393 bespoke Ranger parts, which are manufactured in China. So how Chinese is the Thai-built American Ford Ranger? 
And does it really matter? Take all the Chinese components out of every manufactured product in your home right now, okay? Give that a crack. You'd be pretty much straight back to living in poverty. I just wanted to let you know that Bluetti has a mad sale on right now from Thursday the 14th of July until Sunday the 24th. And Bluetti's specialty is portable power generation, solid state stuff, batteries, inverters, that kind of thing, home battery backup for power failure and things of this nature. Core Bluetti products such as the AC200 Max with 2,048 watt hours of lithium iron phosphate battery storage and 2,000 watts of total power output and the even gruntier AC300 with its modular B300 battery pack, which also functions as an uninterruptible power supply at home, and the smaller EB55 unit, they're all going to be heavily discounted. So if you've thought about jumping in, this is a good time to do that. I've used all three of these units and they have been totally reliable. They've been silent, hard workers. And I really like the thought of having the one unit that can keep all of the essentials humming along at home if the grid goes down and also allow you to do some serious work off grid plus you can do pretty much all you need to do camping caravanning boating etc all with the one device and that's pretty clever bluetti's portable power stations pretty much torpedoed any real need which i might previously have harbored for a hardwired dual battery setup in a 4x4 especially as you can't take your 4x4's dual battery setup with you on a boat for example and you typically have to give it away when you sell the vehicle and trade up and go again. Anyway, Bluetti offers a compelling multi-purpose power solution for many consumers, especially in the brave new world of increasingly unreliable Australian grid performance. Thanks very much, Bluetti, for sponsoring this video. I really do appreciate that. Link in the description and pinned to the comments feed below. Talk about nauseous dribble to say a simple message 45 times, FFS. Give up. Brendan Vosper there. Brendo. Vosby. BV. He can get it grounding. He can get it pounding. He can get it driving a truck. Like I give a fuck. Just a quick swear there to give, you know, Peter Doyle something to gripe about. He keeps score. At least that's what I've heard. Vosby actually sounds a lot like my third wife or... Um, was that the fourth? I always get them mixed up and they ate that, even today. Go figure. The give up was particularly strong in one of them. And to be fair, that was mainly in relation to my will to live right at the very end. Nasty business. Anyway, at least it wasn't just boring old ordinary dribble, Vosby. I did try to make your dribble special, mate, but... Riddle me this, dude, which I have never properly understood about audiences, try as I might. Why listen to all 45 reiterations of my nauseous dribble? Surely 20 to 30 cracks at it would have been sufficient for you to form something of a definite view. Why not just pay some stern German matron to paddle you relentlessly on the buttocks with a studded leather egg whisk for the same approximate length of time 
I'm told by those who would know, mainly stern chairman matrons with the full set of, uh, let's call them, uh, kitchen utensils, that this form of therapy can be equally cathartic and occasionally less nauseating, dude. Just a suggestion for Vospy, okay? Give it a go, mate. Let us know. Better or worse. More or less nauseating. I'll be standing by. Well, I sat through all that dribble and feel dumber now. Thanks. You're most welcome, Leroy. Bad, bad Leroy Galea there. Baddest Toyota fan dude in the whole damn town. Was it recently National Dribble Week and nobody told me? It's amazing to me that anything I could say would make Leroy here feel any dumber. Still, I do like pushing those boundaries. Wouldn't buy one. Smallest cross-section wires I've seen in a vehicle. Fire just waiting to happen. Automotive wiring cross-section aficionado Alan Dowling there. First time I've ever seen anyone make a vehicle purchasing veto based on wiring loom differential analysis. And I thought I'd seen everything. I'm loving the new copper mallet in the background. Mine's had the piss smacked out of it. Can I have yours? Mitch Herbert there, and no, Mitch, you may not have mine. Like, my gorgeous Thor number two copper-faced hammer still pretty clearly has all of the piss in it. Such a gorgeous device. Anyway, I will not hand it to another with its bladder in that knife-edged state of number one over inflation because it could blow at any moment and that could get ugly. I have this sans-piss equivalent on hand any time I need to commit, you know, the Lord's work. The one on the drill press, like, it's kind of like my grandparents' dining room, which was full of piss too, now that I think about it. Brother, I see that copper mallet in the background. Being a toolmaker, I appreciate these things. I have one on my shadow board at home, and you can imagine what I said to her who lives indoors when I came home and watched her driving a star picket into the ground with it. Thank God for alcohol. Alan Zan there, toolmakers. Quick shout out to all toolmakers. Toolmakers rock. They are, of course, the F1 drivers of the metal trades universe. I started working for one when I was 15 and I lost frigging count of the number of things he taught me. Anyway, like, the copper mallet, dude. Amazing, the number of comments I get. And very, very nice for tapping something home on the milling vice, those last few tents. <laughs> so satisfying. Tramming in the vice with a dial test indicator. I've always found that beyond merely erotic. Obvious question, though, Toolmaker Alan. Where exactly indoors was your good lady driving that star picket? I know I speak for everyone when I say, dude, you've left us all hanging by a thread there. Most unreasonably, too. I do hope she was not driving that steel stake through the heart of your underwear. That would be deeply troubling to us all. It's always quite difficult to get to sleep after they do that whole degrading pantomime with one's sacred copper mallet. 
And I would know, right, having, having had five friggin' ex-wives, it always ends with an unsettling incident such as that. Like fucking clockwork, Peter. And finally... Your clickbait game is strong, John. Obviously heaps of Australians like the Land Cruiser, and thus YouTube will pay your bills, which is fair enough. Would love you to explain to me why Kia or Hyundai, a couple of brands you've talked me around on, can't take an order for either of their flagship EVs. Matt Lord there, Matt, Matty, he says clickbait like it's a bad thing. I actually run two filters through every story concept, or is that the other way around? I actually run every story concept through two filters. I think that's better. Number one. What stories are worthwhile doing, okay? Number two, is it going to be sufficiently interesting to enough people to justify doing all that work? Because it is a fair bit of work. You just don't turn the camera on and friggin' talk, dude. And the enemy of every story, right, is indifference. I don't care if people love it or hate it. I care if they're indifferent, right? Hyundai, Kia and every other car maker, including Toyota, has shot itself fair in the friggin' zucchini patch around COVID, okay? The full Beirut unload too, not just a stray round. It's like totally kill Bill out there. They ramped back their component orders, anticipating a reduction in demand for cars because COVID, but that reduction never actually happened. Okay, people still wanted cars, go figure. Cars actually run on the shittest, lowest grade, most outdated microchips, which chip makers would rather not build, frankly, and which are not that profitable because they're old and busted. And of course, car makers screwed the chip manufacturers down on price endlessly because that's how car manufacturing bean counters roll. And at the same time, the world got locked down, right? And everyone started working from home, at least everyone who could. And the demand for computers and TVs and gaming consoles, etc., went through the friggin' roof, dude. And they run on profitable chipsets, right? Chip makers prioritised that stuff. And they threw car makers under the bus because to a chip manufacturer, car makers are just not as important as... Apple or Samsung and manufacturers of this nature, right? And here we are. The car industry is fucked. Metric fucked too. Like the big one, that profane disambiguation specifically for you, Peter Doyle, do try to keep up. Let me know what proportion we end up at. And car makers cannot unfuck it anytime soon. It's like properly fucked. Another couple of simple swears there for Peter. Shit, yeah, dude. He keeps count. Does shit even count as profanity these days in contemporary a fucking Australia, Lala? Let me know in the comments. I wouldn't know. It's just conversation to me. The reason I've got such a problem with Toyota is that they are obviously bullshitting the world about unprecedented demand for Land Cruiser 300 being the primary reason why they cannot supply sufficient Land Cruiser 300s, right? And this is simply not the case. LC300 is the first new Land Cruiser in 15 fucking years, Peter, or something. And if Toyota could not foresee the demand, they're just incompetent. And if they could foresee the demand, but they chose not to build production capacity to meet that demand, 
than their Muppets. They're not swamped by demand, dude. That's bullshit. They're swamped by the inability to build cars, which is a catastrophe they engineered for themselves by negligently discharging all of those rounds in the zucchini patch back in 2019. All other car makers are more or less in this position, lined up for the reconstructive surgery, right? But Toyota is doing an absolutely outstanding job bullshitting around that ad nauseum and claiming preposterously that they're really just innocent victims of their own unforeseeable, outstanding popularity. Like, please. This is just what happens when you live on Bullshit World.